Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. So, Antonio, a massive welcome to you. Dennis, thank you for hosting me here. It's a pleasure to be at your podcast. I heard great things about leadership is changing. And so, yes, I look forward to this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Antonio, just let our listeners know, whereabouts are you in the world today? Well, I'm from Spain. I spent quite some time there. Today, I'm in Brussels, Belgium, which is a bit of my hub as well. Brussels, Belgium here in Europe. Oh, Europe. So yeah, wonderful. Great place to be. And so it must be nice and early in the morning for you as we go into the evening here. Now, Antonio, we've just given the uh, listeners a brief introduction to you. Tell us a little bit more about your background. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Well, my background is very global. When I was a kid, I lived in many countries. My parents were moving from Spain to Mexico to Italy, to Germany, to so I've been kind of raised very global, open mindset. I started to work in a tech company called Unisys in Amsterdam. Then I moved into consulting, big consulting. And since very early, I, I really enjoyed working in projects. I had a day job, which was more uh, a process analyst, processing orders, and I found that a bit boring. They asked me if I wanted to join a project, and I loved that. It was like every day was different. But still, I had my day job, which was processing orders. So, But at one point, I managed to move into projects, and I specialized in projects. I realized how difficult they were to, to manage, to make them successful. And that made me to think that if one project is difficult to manage, how do you manage 100 projects or 1,000? And that led me to researching and and one of the key points in my career was when I was fired from this big consulting firm where the senior partners told me, Antonio, we love your passion around projects and project management, but this is a, a boring topic. It's not something that uh, we can sell. You know, it's something that is tactical. It's not strategic like marketing, R&D, branding, innovation, agile, all this stuff. And, and that was a trigger for me to say, well, I need to change that. I think projects are critical. Project management is critical for every leader to understand, to build the competencies. So this is a very long introduction, but this was a key moment to say, okay, I'm going to change that. I need to think, how can I make these senior leaders understand that their futures are their projects? And if they don't spend time on it, their future of their organizations is at stake. So a long story to just say that my passion started when I was fired. And I thank the partners for that. This is about 20 years ago. 
And from there, I kept working. I'm, I'm still a practitioner working banking for seven years through the highs and the, and the crash in 2007 and eight. Then I moved into uh, pharma. Now I'm working on sustainability. But at the same time, I started to teach. I teach because I was a terrible student and I thought teaching has to be fun. Teachers have to be able to teach in a different way than just asking people to memorize books. So I've been teaching in business schools for also around 15, 20 years. And from there, I, I went into writing and I published last six months ago, just today, Harvard Business Review Project Management Handbook, which was probably one of the greatest personal achievements for me being published by HBR so that finally senior leaders understand the importance of projects for their business or themselves. Oh, wow. Congratulations on that. That's wonderful news. And Harvard Business Review, brilliant. I think that's really good. And yeah, thankfully they did fire you when they did. So then you could actually do something about it and, and make Thank it you. fun as well, which is important. Now, I noticed that we talked about before in the, in the introduction that about uh, central issues on every CEO's 2030 agenda. And I presume that's around project management and how it's important for organizations moving forward. Anything else you want to share about that? Sure. I think there is an issue with the word project management sounds very tactical, shows engineering, IT. It's nothing that it's a fancy topic to call in a boardroom or an executive board. So I started to talk more about managing projects, managing your future through projects. And that's where people resonate. One of the biggest challenges that CEOs and senior leaders have today around the world this is, is that they have more projects than employees because they have grown, they launched so many initiatives, especially in this time where change is, is so fast, competition is so aggressive that you need to constantly evolve your business, your products. So you find out yourself with more projects than employees and they still need to do their job. So I get a lot of calls from senior leaders saying, listen, how do we prioritize? How do I prioritize? I don't even know the number of projects that we have today, really. So I just don't know. It has become such a big issue where people don't really know the, the amount of projects they do, where the people work, what the investment they do, and especially what's the benefit that they're expecting to get from all these projects. So that's how it's becoming today. That's where I get a lot of questions is, can you please help me? I manage the operations. The operations are easy to manage, right? Most of it is automated today. And we have Lean Six Sigma and everything. But that part of the change world where we need to focus more today, it's just a black box and I need help. Please, Antonio, can you help us? So it's a bit more than just project management as we used to know it. It's more about working and leading an organization in a changing world which is operations not so important anymore. Yeah, cool. And we're going to get talk a little bit more about that because it is a changing world, which is great. Now, tell me something uh, in relation to project management. You know, I actually agree with you. I think it, it could have been a different title, could be whatever it is, but it's really important. And I find that a lot of actually project management, program management and things like that, a lot of the guys who are the leaders of those projects or initiatives or whatever they are, People don't report, have a solid line direct into them. They don't report into them. It's more of a matrix organization, a dotted line. And they may be coming in for that project work. So I think in my view, and I would love to hear what you think about this, Antonio, is that I think that being a leader of a project 
is more important than a person who's a direct leader. What do I mean by that? Because you have to be more influential. They don't report to you. Their compensation and benefits aren't associated with you. And so you have to be more influential to get them to do things. What's your thoughts on that? I totally agree, Denise. I think what makes it interesting but challenging is when they ask you, can you lead this transformation and goes across the organization? And previously, maybe you had an operating team or a marketing team or finance team. That I would see more as a management role, right? Is you manage day-to-day operations, day-to-day activities. It's just putting targets for the people. You see them every day. So that's for me is the management of the operational world, which in the past was 80, 90% of the activities in a business. Today with the automation, robots, operations shrinks radically. So what you find out today is most people working project-based. And leadership is where it comes into play here because is what you say then is, is, wow, these people don't report to me anymore. I don't see them every day. I have conflicts with resources. That person, which is key for my project, is working in three other projects and has no time. People change their mind with what they wanted. So suddenly I need to start thinking about how I can influence the organization in a different way, how I can influence my team which doesn't report to me, and I cannot reward it. There's very few organizations who reward people for success in their projects. KPIs, rewards are mostly operational driven. So how can I make them excited for them, yet I don't have any means to recompensate them? Just words and just caring and just motivating to get better in their jobs. And then a big part where I focus a lot is, well, I also need to lead and influence my bosses. Right. When you have in an operation role, you just follow orders. They come from the top. And but here, no, I need to de- tell a CEO sometimes, listen, you're not doing your job, CEO, because you're not showing up in my meetings. You want this project to happen, then you need to be there. Really, I need you. So it just changes completely leadership. So I really like when I heard the, your podcast is it's just spot on. It's leadership has to change if you want to succeed in today's world. Thank you so much for having me on. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Awesome. Now, I always ask my guests, whereabouts are you in the world today? Beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, the country music capital of the world. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I would love to go there one day and looking forward to it. Now, I know who I can look up when I get there. So I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. I would be more than happy to be a tour guide. Excellent. Now, you and I have talked a little bit about, uh, well, I've actually given the, the listeners a little bit of an introduction about you. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to share about your background? No, I think, you know, I'm a curious person. And as we get into this discussion of leadership, leadership is something that I didn't really think about. It's more something I was very reluctant about. And I think it was just chosen it, bestowed upon me, and I had to accept it. Ah, and so is that how you got into leadership? It was sort of just put on top and onto you? I think whereas most people, when they think about leadership, it becomes in the form of of a job or something. Whereas for me, it became more in my personal life. When my father became ill and I'm an only child, it became something of more of me having to step up to the plate. Right. And then during that time, I learned leadership principles that little did I know were going to help me in my professional life. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. That's good to know. Tell me something. I mean, you're working with people around lifestyle, health, and so forth. And Mm -hmm. In the introduction to this podcast, talk about executive excellence and personal well-being. And I think to have that executive excellence, we have to be 
you know, in our optimum health as well and, and looking after. And what we're finding is all sorts of things. And as we go through today's discussion, I really want to tap into those different things about the health side of things because I think it's, it's really important for people. Everyone goes, yeah, 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 I know, I need to do this, I need to do that, but they, they don't do it and they pay lip service to it. So as we get into this, it's going to be really exciting to talk about it. What do you think is one thing that leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners need to understand about health and fitness? To be proactive instead of reactive. Nice. Yeah. Because if you think about this in business, and even from a company culture standpoint, sometimes you have these little issues that come up, right? And I look at it like a crack in a dam. It's so insignificant, so small that we just kind of overlook it and we just go about our way. And then all of a sudden, this small crack leads to massive flooding in the corporate setting and leads to massive corporate issues. Maybe you're losing some of your best employees, which is a much more expensive endeavor when you have to bring in new people as opposed to retaining the, a, the superstars that you already have. And in the health segment, I look at this like weight loss and just weight in general, where Every year we hear at the holidays times, people gain about five to six pounds. That sounds like nothing because you're going to lose most of it during the next year, but you're going to have that residual effect that keeps adding up every year. So maybe I gain seven pounds during that time, but I lose four of it. That's three extra pounds. But if we keep doing that year after year after year, this is where that, oh my goodness, how am I 20 pounds overweight? It happens so small that we don't notice. And this is why it's important to always be proactive instead of reactive to situations and to always think ahead and look at your health just like you look at the stock markets and investing. You're always thinking long-term down the line. Like the decision that I'm doing today, yes, it matters today, but more importantly, what future is it creating as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I love what you say there and the proactive versus reactive. So spot on. I think it's definitely one where leaders, individuals, full stop, need to be looking at it. But as you say, it's just something that, you know, oh, yeah, it'll be right type thing. And then it sort of creeps up behind us and, and it will smack us from behind at times. And sometimes it's really either too late for some people or it's going to be a hard grind, but they just need to keep going and keep working at it, right? Yes. And it's an expensive endeavor. You know, for me, I've seen the cost of healthcare when someone gets in that system and they can't get out. It's a very expensive endeavor, just like I'm sure many of the listeners have seen just how companies can blow money just from inefficient processes that are within the company. And it's so big and bloated now that it, it's almost daunting to have to address this thing. So you just leave it as is, but it's massively bleeding. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Now, what I would like to know from you is now this person could be alive or from history. Who is your favorite leader and why? Mm, man, it's a tough one. I have a couple people in mind, but JFK, JFK gets the nod for me. And the reason why is I like JFK because, one, I think he's, he's one of the, our greatest presidents in the States. And, but also, I think he had a great blend of charisma, being very aspirational, then also having a good team surrounding him to kind of mask his deficiencies. And also, he had character flaws that are well documented. And that, I think that's a very accurate portrayal of all of us, that none of us, we're all flawed individuals. We all have deficiencies and things that are not so good and that's that's just being human and you know he had the health issues as well and i i just think overall i think jfk is just that does that for me 
fascinating about JFK and so forth here. Now, Julian, if you had the opportunity to sit on a park bench with him and have a coffee together, what would be one question you might want to ask him? Let's pretend that he did get assassinated and he completed his presidency, or actually even before that, even just during his, his terms that he did, even that he did right there. I would ask him, what's the one biggest mistake that he made and what he learned from it? Yeah, I wonder what he would say. Yeah, hmm. be interesting, eh? Yeah, I couldn't even guess it. No. But, you know, just having that opportunity to sit down on a park bench and ask those kind of questions, I think is really important. And, you know, listeners, at times, you know, life is short. If you have an opportunity to ask a leader or somebody you know that burning question that you've always wanted to ask, I would say take the opportunity to go and ask that question. Find a way to get to that person to ask questions because we can learn heaps from it. Uh, Absolutely. I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't just from sending emails just to people I, I liked or just at talking to people just on the street or as I go about, I lived in New York for a little bit and just talking to people and just learning things. You would be surprised at the amount of wisdom that you can gain. If I could summarize what you just said there, probably into a word, I think it's probably curious or curiosity. Are you that kind of person? Absolutely. I think curiosity is my driving force. You know, a lot of things within the health firm right now with being interested in genetic testing and different biometric technologies and any sort of new interventions and things that are being added stems from curiosity of just how can we increase this potential, this threshold of what we call life. Yeah. And Julian, that's something I talk to leaders about is the fact that if we are curious and we are finding out more and we're learning more about things, that will make us an even better leader. And I think even in the health industry side of things too, that as a leader perspective, we, we are curious about the health side and our fitness and our exercise, exercise is the vehicle to help us get fit. But if, we, if we're learning about that, that's going to make us a better leader. Absolutely. Because if you think about this, our health is, I always like to think of it as like the head of the octopus. And then these other different facets of life are those tentacles. But that head is the middle, the central thing that has those things that are governing it. So if that head is going to have a decrease or not functioning properly, then those other facets of life are not going to function properly. And so when we look at leadership, when we think of great leaders, great leaders are charismatic. Great leaders make sound decisions. Great leaders are logical most of the time, but they have a little a bit of emotion as well. And so even if we just name those few things right there, and also just how they control their words and their verbiage, their cognition as well, something simple as sleep has a big effect on that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 